Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. Appreciate it. So we will continue uh, with our discussion of Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. Uh, we're in the 58th Anucheda, and Jiva Goswami is giving us a rather esoteric entrance into a subject that could seem rather perplexing. How does the one supremely pure, uncontaminated, unconditional, unconditioned, supreme personality of Godhead in any of his manifestations create a world of matter out of his very self? Legitimate question because some things in the material world don't seem to be supremely pure and (laughs) supremely auspicious and supremely beautiful and magnanimous and every all the characteristics that we attribute to the supreme it's kind of hard to see them every place in the world of matter if we can see them in the world of matter at all Jiva Goswami is introducing us to a consciousness of contradictory understandings. How we can understand spirit can become matter, but still spirit is not in any way touched by matter. So the Supreme Brahman can manifest the material world with and through his inconceivable powers or shaktis and remain completely aloof from it and uncontaminated by it. So that's the section of the Paramatma Sandarbha we're dealing with now. And... Jiva Goswami is also confronting misconceptions by those that adhere to the Advaita Vod philosophy that the world doesn't exist at all. They try to get past the apparent contradictions in the fact that the Supreme can manifest matter and his marginal potencies, ourselves, particles of spiritual consciousness, and in their essence, uncontaminated themselves, just as the Supreme is uncontaminated, we also are uncontaminated. We just falsely take on a consciousness a contaminated consciousness in regards to the external energy. So he's doing two things. He's explaining what's the proper way to think of it. What's the proper way to think that the Supreme can manifest from his very self something that would appear to be foreign to himself and foreign to his nature. And how are we to 
acquire the proper sambandhagyan in regards to this? And how can we take care in not assimilating misconceptions and specifically the misconceptions of the other transcendentalists who are not Vaishnavs, who are pursuing spiritual understanding, but they have the wrong conception. We accept that the material world is real. It's a real energy of the Supreme. It's a real manifestation of His Shakti. This is really here. It's not an illusion. These bodies are here. They're not illusioned. The fact that we're accepting them as ourself, that's an illusion. But they do exist. The elements of matter exist. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego. These things are real substances. And the causal aspect also exists. The time element does exist. Now, so the other aspect that Jiva Goswami is dealing with is there is a class of transcendentalists who say the world's just, it, it doesn't, it's not there. For you to even think it there is an illusion. So this, uh, this Advaita Vad or taking to the, to the nth degree Mayavad conception that it's all, it's all mythia, it's all just false, it's all an illusion, doesn't really exist at all. So, those are the two things that Srila Jiva Goswami is dealing with specifically in this Anucheda. In our last discussion, we dealt with this Anucheda is broken up. It's so so much information here dealing with this subject that uh, it's been broken up in this edition that we're we're taking and and studying from of such a Narayan Das Babaji. He's taken it and he's it's he's divided it into four parts. So it's an Anucheda with four parts. We started on the first part, and I wanted to go over a couple comments that are made in the commentary to just to bring out what we covered in the last class a little bit more clearly. So I'm going to read a couple paragraphs here and cover a couple points of the Advaitin idea and how Jiva Goswami refutes it and how in the context of our modern understandings of the environment, specifically of the scientific community and the uh, psychological communities, uh, understandings, how they they also, just as we are aspiring to understand spiritual life, they're understand, trying to understand the world around them. They also 
can have the right conception, but they're drawn because they have no no spiritual direction. It seems that they're naturally drawn. Their science and their their way of thinking naturally draws them to the to the misconceptions that are presented in uh, the Advaitin philosophy. So we're going to couple, cover a couple of those this evening because they're interesting. So we'll read a little from the commentary here. In this Anucheta, which has been divided into four sections, Shujiva establishes that the empirical world is not imaginary, as proposed by the Advaitavad school of Vedanta, but it is a real creation of Paramatma produced through his Maya potency. Shujiva first refers to verse Srimad Bhagavatam 2.10.35, cited, cited in the previous Anucheta, where the phrase created by Maya was used. He says that here the word Maya does not mean ignorance, which is the definition especially current among the followers of Advaitavad. For Sri Jiva, Maya is a specific energy of Paramatma because ignorance cannot create the universe. A lack of knowledge can't... What's it going to create it with? It has no... You could say, and we're going to get into a couple of these points, but just to think it through, the Advaitavad philosophy, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't make sense. And believe me, these people that adhere to this, specifically the school of Sankaracharya, they've got their arguments. And they're, they're very firm in their <laughs> arguments regarding uh, putting forth this Mayavad conception. These are not lightweight arguments that they have. Why? Because they base their arguments on Scripture. We base our arguments on Scripture. The same Scripture. <laughs> so, whoa, what's going on here? Two different versions of the same Scripture? No, it's one Scripture, and it can be seen in a different light according to different schools of thought. A lot of this was covered in the Tatvas and Darba. How this, you know, how the scripture really is a tool used by humanity to better themselves, and because of the merciful dispensation of scripture itself, it presents itself differently for its different audiences. So are there there are piranhas in the mode of ignorance in the mode of passion, and in the mode of goodness. And they are, they, they're putting forth the message according to the different aspirations of humanity. Artha, Dharma, Kama, Moksha. So, whatever you want, the scriptures, it's like a desire-fulfilling tree. Whatever you're into, it's willing to accommodate your thoughts. Even if your thoughts aren't fully formed yet, it's hope being that gradually the, you gain faith in the scripture and it can lead you step by step to the ultimate purpose 
that for which it was intended, the ultimate purpose, that sometimes even the author himself is confused about. He's not really confused, but he appears to be confused. So we look to Vyasadeva, and it appeared that he was well, he was despondent. Here, I prepared all this scripture for all classes of men and offered them all the all the paths. I thought about them. I thought about those in ignorance, those in passion, those in goodness. I thought about those that desire economic development, that desire desire to live peacefully in the world through being a moral person, dharma, and and those that that want to enjoy the world, karma, they want to enjoy. I gave them a path. Here's a path to enjoyment. It'll lead you right up to swarga, right up to the heavenly planets, and you can enjoy like a lot. You don't know how much you can enjoy there. You have no no clue of how much enjoyment is available. Here you are, humanity, in the earthly realm, there's 14 divisions of planetary systems. You're in the middle. You're primarily conducted under the mode of passion. In our planetary system, the ocean is salt water. It's passion. Work hard, sweat, enjoy the fruits of your labor. What about a planet where the you know where the oceans are nothing but but nectar, milk, milk oceans, nectar oceans, or you can go down to hellish oceans. Where it's just an ocean of LSD. I mean, you're continuing an illusion. It's it's a possibility. It exists. An ocean of liquor. Scriptures say liquor more than, uh, you know, <laughs> psychedelic drugs. But still, the point is, you can remain in illusion. So, we also, Dave, was, was discontent. And therefore, that discontent was because he offered humanity all these things. But he, le- he left out the emphasis that really is the underlying principle. Prem Bhakti, that fifth goal, that Purushartha, that supreme accomplishment. Of course, I left out moksha, liberation. So, Artha, Dharma, Kama, Moksha, and Prem. These different understandings of Scripture are not are not to be looked upon as as anything less than what they actually are, and that is a merciful dispensation. But you can only teach someone according to their capacity. You can only teach children according to their ability to understand. And once they begin to mature and advance and their understanding becomes deeper and their discrimination becomes finer, then the lessons can become more complex and more favorable to their ultimate well-being. So the whole scripture, scriptural dispensation, subda brahman, it's, it's, 
it is another manifestation of the Supreme Himself. It's not different from the Supreme. He's in Scripture, and Scripture is what? It's self-revealing. It reveals according to our qualification. Everybody in this room has read Scripture. Go back to the same Scripture and read it again. Is it the Scripture you read last time? Who can deny that it's, it's now speaking to you in a voice that's different than when you first, the f- voice that it first spoke to you in? You've matured a little bit through sadhu sangha, through service, through Scripture. <laughs> And you go back and you read again and it's speaking to you in a different voice. It's talking to you according to your necessity at the time. So, of course, our reading in this life, in this circumstance, in this association, this sangha, has been, is directed now at bhakti shastras. We're not so much interested in the Karmakanda section of the of the Veda. We're not interested in the... There's so many. The Veda covers so much. But we're directing Guru, under this guidance of Guru, we're, we're directing... He's directing us to take interest in this scripture. And there's really only one when it comes to Prem Bhakti, and that's the Bhagavatam. It's the it's the mature fruit of all the scriptural presentations. That's that's its significance. So that's just a sweeter manifestation by the same author, <laughs> more or less. The Bhagavatam was about Sri Krishna primarily, and then he invented as so. It's a continuation of the Bhagavatam mm-hmm. into a more into another manifestation. It's interesting if we go to the second canto of the Bhagavatam and we read we read the chapter on all the different incarnations. It's like a it's. That section of the Bhagavatam, which ends with Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam, all these different incarnations of all of them, they're all coming from Krishna. It doesn't list Lord Chaitanya there. Lord Chaitanya is hidden away near the end of the whole, after Krishna's manifested his pastimes, after the Uddhava Gita, at the very end, near the end, there's a, a hint about another advent of the Supreme. So that's Chaitanya Charitamrita. That is the, the Parivas Sutra from the Bhagavatam that takes us to the Chaitanya Charitamrita. In his commentary on Brahma Sutra, Sri Sankaracharya has used words such as Mithya Gyan, Mithya Pratvaya, and mithya buddhi for maya, illusory or false knowledge, illusory perception, and illusory awareness, all of which mean ignorance, a gyan, 
which is a feature of Maya. According to him, the world is not real, but Mithya, imagined within Brahman through ignorance. Brahman is the only reality in accordance with Shruti's statements, such as, and this is their support, because these statements are there. There is no multiplicity whatsoever in the Brahman. Neha nanasti kinchina. And all this is the self. Atmani vedam sarvam. For Sankar, it is only because of ignorance, avidya, agyan, or maya, that the one Brahman appears as Hisvara, the innumerable jivas, and the universe, jagat. So they have their support, and Jiva Goswami here in the Paramatma Sandarbhas, he's, he's taking us and saying, no, what creates it? It's the inconceivable potency of the Supreme. It's inconceivable. It is a transcendental aspect of his nature that from his completely pure nature he can emanate all the material elements and they can and be separate from that so this idea is going to be developed as we go through this atacheta specifically but i wanted to touch on um, a couple ideas of the advaitavad school just to remind us, because we did cover them comprehensively. One of them, to explain this, to explain this, in other words, Sankracharya's idea, uh, there are three major theories. Pratibhimbavad, Pratibhimba, the theory of reflection. Avachedavad, the theory of limitation. And Abhashyavad, the theory of semblance. I'm not going to go into the detailed explanation of these uh, because we have covered it back when we covered the very beginning of Tatvas and Dharma. Uh, this was uh, touched upon and throughout up to this point. But to get into an elaborate discussion of that at this time, I think would would be a redundancy which would be uh, uh, because at this point in the discussion the commentator really takes the reader deeply into these and there's it's, it's very esoteric uh, a lot has to do with Sanskrit grammar a lot has to do with the theories that are pre prevalent in Indian culture um uh, and I think ourselves as an audience, we have a pretty good idea of the fact that it just doesn't make sense. We have, a, we have under good guidance, a finer discrimination that allows us to see through these detailed arguments. That doesn't mean that it w wouldn't be good if we had an advanced class on a Dwayton philosophy and Mayavad understanding to get into each one in a very, very comprehensive manner. 
but I'm not going to take our time to do that now. Um, I'd like to go forward and maybe complete discussion of the whole Sundarvas <laughs> uh, within this lifetime of of mine. But I do want to go over one aspect. So I just skipped a whole explanation of those three types of presentations that the Advaitins give. The reflection, the limitation, and the semblance. The boss. This doctrine is also called Dristi Tristivad. The theory that the Objects of experience are created at the moment that they are perceived. Just think about that. Objects of experience are created at the moment that they are perceived. According to this theory, the world is pratibhasika, imaginary or a mere appearance. By this explanation, Brahman remains free from the defect of modification observed in the universe. Even while being the phenomenal Upadan, as well as the instrumental Namita cause of the world, this view is also gaining acceptance in quantum physics. So an example of that would be I'm looking out my window and seeing the trees falling, but I'm creating those trees and making them Something like that, yes. But believe me, they have deeper arguments than just that. Well, to us, really, the whole thing doesn't make sense. But as I said, with word jugglery, they're certainly able to use scriptural statements to say, no, 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 you're not understanding. You know, this is this is actually there. Is there some? Uh, intoxication involved? In <laughs> yeah, they're intoxicated by their minds. They think with their mind they're going to be able to, to wrap wrap up the Supreme, you know, talk away the fact that... I mean, you can see, you can see the basic idea, and I think this is important for us. Brahman remains free from the defect of modification. They see Brahman, the energy, that quality-less substance that they think is the be-all and end-all of spiritual understanding. They, they can't accept the fact that it can be modified. Because why? Well, they can't accept the fact that it has personality in the ultimate issue. That's where this whole thing becomes a problem for them because they can't attribute transcendental personality to the spiritual reality. So without personality, now we're all accustomed to personality. We're people. And we're also accustomed to our shaktis. As limited as they are, it's not that we don't have any. We have a little bit of of willing, thinking, wheeling, feeling, and we can perform some actions. It's not that we can't. 
We may not be able to do everything we want to do, but we can do a little bit. I may not be able to, you know, become the president this lifetime, even though I may aspire for it or not. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I may, I want to may, I may want to sail the oceans blue and that maybe if I really want that, I can go out and buy a boat and try it. I have limited funds, so I probably will buy a small boat and I'll probably drown. But it doesn't mean that I don't have some ability to try. So if I have some limited abilities to do something, and you and you, we all have some limited abilities, why can't Brahman have some limited abilities? They can't get over that they are saying our abilities because they all end in failure and they're right nobody's going to deny that no matter what ability I aspire to or what aspiration I have in relationship to matter it's not going to end well for me even if I go all the way to the to the heavenly planets and become an Indra or some other great demigod. It's it, it's a temporary thing. It's gonna it's gonna end. Even Brahma, the creator of the universe, he's only in it for a hundred years. Of course his hundred years and my hundred years are worlds and worlds apart. Unfathomable worlds apart. But not to him. Not to him. He has more capacity. He has so much capacity, he's got four heads. That's that's really where the Advaitin philosophy, what really you're up against with the Advaitin. They cannot accept a supreme person, personality. In the ultimate issue, the personality has to be set aside by them. Even the ones that are true Maya, Brahmavadis, the Brahmavadis, they can accept that the that Brahman can accept personality, but in the ultimate issue, they're not interested in that aspect of Brahman. The Mayavadis, there is no personality. Therefore, they have to justify their consciousness and and say that Brahman cannot be modified. You, it's not possible. So, therefore, the material world is vivarta. It does not exist. It's an illusion only. We say we have some Shakti. Spirit has a lot more Shakti. So, deal with it. And they'll deal with it. They'll argue that, well, you just have the wrong conception. And we will argue that, no. And we will, we will stand in military formation behind Jiva Goswami and, you know, and, and we'll pound the post, we'll pound his post, and we will, we'll say, this is, in my estimation, the greatest logician that ever lived. He's defeated you soundly. Read the Sandarbas. And that's what we're trying to expose ourselves to.
We're not interested in Gyan for Gyan's sake. We, we don't want to be great knowers. We're interested in knowing so that we can love. Our knowing is our loving. If we really want to love somebody, you really want to know everything about them. And as you begin to love them more and more, your knowledge of them is going to increase more and more. So it's not that this Sambandagyan is something that's not a foundational item in any relationship. If you say you love somebody, you've, you've got to know what their likes, what their dislikes are, you know, what their, what their good qualities are, how to deal with their bad qualities. But, well, Krishna's a little different. He doesn't have anything on the negative side. He's all positive. Unless, you know, you have a, anyway. If you have the wrong idea, he can show you a side that's not so positive. And even if you have a, even if your heart's in the right place, he may show you that side just to keep you, you know, to keep you going in the right direction. And that's okay. That's uh, tough love some, sometimes required, <laughs> especially for us with, with uh, hard hearts. So, the commentator here is saying that these ideas are also there. They're gaining some some popularity now, especially that quantum physics is coming into play. And there's uh, a detailed explanation here. And as far as psychology goes, I wanted to share one thing. Uh, this is from a, a recent publication, 2010. Uh, this is a contemporary uh, scientific mind. As a medical doctor, this is a quote from his book that's here, as a medical doctor, I can attest to the fact that the visions and sounds psycho uh, what is this? No, uh, schizophrenic. Schizophrenic patients see and hear are just as real to them as this page or the chair on which you now sit. So, it's kind of supportive of that thing. As you see it, you make it up. So, he's saying, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting argument, isn't it? That this, this, somebody that's a psychopath you cannot say that their reality is any less than your reality, can you? To them, it's as real as what you're accepting as real. Think about it. So, we're going to go on in the commentary here and 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 look at the the uh, the other side of the argument. Sri Jiva Goswami refutes this Advaitin Vod view by saying that Brahman cannot be delimited by ignorance, either by its being its support, shelter, or object, because Brahman is not related to anything else, it being the only reality as for Advaitin Vod. 
Moreover, Brahman has no qualities and thus can neither be the support nor the object of ignorance. It cannot be the cause of ignorance because the self, because of its being the self-luminous reality. If the world were imaginary and dependent on the observer alone, then why is it that a table was seen as a table by all? Why is it not perceived as a table, a chair, a cake, or a computer by different individuals? Why is it that one person sees it as a table, even while another person right next to him has his eyes closed? In other words, why do we perceive a common reality if there is no object out there? The fact is that the Absolute has inconceivable potency by which it can perform supra-logical feats. What's the supra-logical feat that's being done by Brahman? Which is, well, it's another an aspect of the supreme what is the superlogical feat it can be modified without being affected that's what brahman can do if we fully understand brahman in all of the reality of its transcendental form and shaktis. With that understanding, then we can say this material world is possible. Otherwise, the Advaitin view that this material world is impossible could become a possibility. There is no need to envisage the world is imaginary, imaginary to make Brahman immune to modification. Such a solution is worse than the problem itself. So that's the first subpart. And in the next discussion, really this discussion is like a, a repeat, I know, of the last class, but I, I, I think pounding the post in this instance was not, uh, not a, a bad thing. We'll go on and read uh, the second subsection of this Anucheta section of the Paramatma Sandarbha in our next discussion. Um, and a lot of this will, will come out with full scriptural support by uh, Srila Jiva Goswami uh, to his and a, and a, and a deeper explanation. Of, of the of the Paramatma Shakti, whereby he can, from his very being, emit the material manifestation, but still remain completely aloof from it. And this is the real key. This really, these two aspects, as we began with, understanding that the Supreme Lord has unlimited shaktis that can be contradictory and still he himself is unaffected and that 
in order to justify what is perceived in the world around us, we don't have to, in pursuing spiritual life, throw out the concept of vivarta, that it's all, we have to throw it out of our mind. It's not an illusion. So it's a desirable thing not to, not to take up this Advaita Vod philosophy because there is a there is an appropriate explanation, and let us enter into that through good guidance of, of Jiva Goswami. It's all there in the Bhagavatam. He's going to bring all this out from the from the pages of the Bhagavatam and, and highlight it uh, for us. Really, the more we proceed in these. Uh, studies of Jiva Goswami Sandarvas, we see basically what he's giving us is a very systematic presentation of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan from the Bhagavatam. He's taking the Bhagavatam, because the Bhagavatam doesn't present it in, in a, it's there throughout the Bhagavatam. He's taken it, according to his his own Mangal Acharna, uh, from the you know, from the notes of uh, Gopal Bhatta Goswami. And uh, he's presenting it, Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan, in a very systematic manner. So we're just now, I mean, just, you could imagine where, how deeply he's thought through all these things and how, how comprehensively he's presenting Bhagavan, Paramatma, and if we can enter to make it to the end of this Sandarbha, we'll get to the Krishna Sandarbha, which is on its way to us now from Germany. And the page count of the Krishna Sandarbha is twice that of the Paramatma Sandarbha. <laughs> if we're just counting pages. Any questions on what we've covered this evening? Thank you so much for your association.